Hello everybody and welcome back to the Making It In Music podcast. My name is Heather and just to start off the podcast, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors, Dublin School Music. Thank you guys so much for helping set this up. Today, I am very excited to announce that I have a bit of an interview legend with me. It's kind of interviewed every head in the metal and the rock industry at the moment. Some people who are touring currently, some people who are not. Welcome, Orna Bryan. Burn. Oh my God, I literally <laughs> just said that to you. Literally just before I press record, I said, it's O'Burn. Yeah, it's yeah, O'Burn. Yeah, yeah. it's O'Burn. Or Burn. how are you getting on? I'm very well, thank you. Very Good. well. Thanks for having me. No bother. So the way I like to start this podcast, just to like kind of ease everyone into it, yeah. is a bit of a this or that. So basically, I'm going to give you three different choices. It's okay. either like this act or this act, and you have to choose in between them. Okay. Okay. So the first one, we're going to go for an Irish kind of version mm -hmm. Thin Lizzy or Rory Gallagher Ooh. first one that comes to your head um, uh, uh, it has to be Thin Lizzy I Thin Lizzy yeah. <laughs> and next one is a bit more of like a radio kind of top 40 one let's see if you've been listening this year to any of that okay <laughs> that tripe <laughs> Lizzo or Billie Eilish um, I would say Lizzo Lizzo for that uh, any reason uh, I yeah, I mean, I think she's fantastic. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, I just as much as everyone really likes Billie Eilish, I don't like her. <gasps> and I, and Shaka. the reason being is just that she has no um, she her it's just her style of singing I find is very there's no power in it. Yeah, I and and that obviously because the music I listen to is, is is literally loaded with power from top to bottom but um, yeah I, I don't dis I, I don't dislike her terribly it just for me I it sort of irritates me a little bit because I feel like I yeah. want her to just open up and really go for it go for it and yeah. she just does this really almost kind of whispering I'm lying down on my back type of singing thing you know yeah I get what and you for mean. that reason uh, I would go with Lizzo yeah, yeah, it's always very like pulled back and everything. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'd love to see her. And go listen, for it, it is it is a genre. It's a sound in its own right. Yeah, uh, just like the mumble uh, rap was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not a fan of that stuff. Uh, I do like lots of different types of music. I have very eclectic tastes. I was a DJ for quite a long time, and yeah. I would play everything from electronic through to Westlife. lead belly to no, no. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> I, I wouldn't really play any chart music. It would be it would be it would be a lot of stuff that was not in the charts, yeah. so to speak, yeah. Bringing bring something different to the masses, mm -hmm. as you are doing now. Mm -hmm. And last one, which may be a little bit personal. Yeah. Metallica or Megadeth? Um, okay. They probably won't ever listen to this well, podcast. Well, no, so there's, the, <laughs> there's two different ways of looking at that question, um, at, at those two bands. They're both equally amazing for two different things I, I mean Dave Mustaine is a he's a visionary Unreal. he's an incredible guitar player he's I want to say Megadeth right now are better songwriters than Metallica yeah. but you can't touch Metallica's early discography I mean those first four albums are just untouchable is but then the, the stuff Dave Mustaine was involved in he was involved at the very start before yeah. Kill Em All was yeah. released and you know this this is the age-old argument that he had written um, quite a lot of the material on that he had developed and pioneered that sound the speed metal the thrash metal sound but I mean he is a far superior guitar player um, then Kirk Hammond and uh, James Hetfield. James Hetfield is a great rhythm guitar player, but Dave Mustaine is just light years ahead. Mm. 
but he's a miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so you you've met I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's actually very incredible. nice to me. He was very nice to me. Yeah, and uh, I was quite surprised. Uh, because I was expecting him to be really difficult and he was anything but. He was incredibly, incredibly nice. And we, we had a really good interview and uh, he invited me down. I was going to the show anyway, but he invited me down to um, into the, the like into his backstage area this prior to the show. This was before Dystopia album. This was, was yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to actually think. I think it was 2011. Oh, Jesus, I don't know. 2011, yeah. Was it 2011? Mm-hmm. And it was November 9th, I think, or something. Wow, possibly. that is good memory. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess yeah. when you meet someone like that, it will stick out in your no, mind. No, I remember because there was... Uh, I don't know why I remember that. I remember because there was something going on here at work about that date. But anyway, yeah, no, he was a really, really nice guy. And we we, we got on... I'm not, you know, It's not like we went out for shopping afterwards yeah. together then, you know <laughs> uh he was just he was just really cool really nice to talk to i think if you go if you approach dave with the kind of like questions that he's been asked for a hundred years already of like anything about metallica it's it's history it's old yeah, news they want that. um i'm when i interview people i'm more interested in you know i will research right up until that day anything that i can find and what they've done and then mm-hmm. i will try to my intentions is to create news not kind of ask go back and ask questions that have been asked a million times. So I think he appreciated that, and uh, I I knew what I was talking about, mm-hmm. and I had heard the album. Yeah, you're right, dystopia and come out yet. So um, yeah, no, he's a really nice guy. It was good. I was I was reading the interview that you did with him, mm-hmm. and uh, he said something like, something like this, and it really you touched on it already that you were expecting him to be a different type of person, but he ended up being absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. And one of his one thing I've realized from being like kind of going to metal gigs and rock gigs and stuff like that, like um, my Jailbirds, a band that you manage, mm-hmm. I was going to see them when they're supporting Anvil. Okay. And I said to someone like, here, look, I'll man your merch table while you guys are performing. And yeah. Like, great, fantastic. So I was standing there and I couldn't see the stage or anything. And they were playing and it was grand. And then these guys come up to me and they're like, here. And like these huge biker lads, with like massive beards, full sleeve of tattoos, just like absolute rockers, metalheads coming up to me. And they're like, do you want us to mind the stage? Like, so you can go to the bathroom. And like, absolute sweethearts. And that's the thing, the more metalheads I meet, I'm just kind of like, you are so nice like you're, you're so lovely and I, I maybe i'm generalizing here but i think out of a diff, all the different genres i've met metalheads are probably like just a big sweethearts they're just cuddly and that's what something that dave mustaine said in your, your interview was um i think that's one of the most fictitious things about metal genre now the front men act like they're badasses and they're gonna they're going to out going to out a whooping on somebody at any given moment it's just ridiculous yeah yeah he, he said that and it's just kind of like it's so true that like you see these like um, the front men who are like all over the place and they're jumping around they're acting like absolute mentors and they come off the stage like hi there you <laughs> go now you know? yeah, yeah I mean uh, you know there's a, an age old uh, stereotype about people I suppose everyone is stereotyped depending on what you look like from if you want to take you know the, the punks from the 1970s to you know heavy metal fans from the early 80s and it was just this this absolute um you know view from the mainstream uh and and the the tag was put on you know these these people that look a certain way that they must be you know you know you can't trust them or they're going to beat you up or they say i mean it's so ridiculous um and if anything it's a lesson to you you shouldn't really box people away and uh, stereotype people but there are 
many many subgenres under the heavy metal um uh, tagline uh oh yeah there's like and there are yeah there, there, there are certain uh genres that uh have that very sort of male bravado super yeah we call it bro dude you know stuff um and different different genres kind of expect that but uh what dave was saying there like it is totally uh, alice cooper said the same thing as well about black yeah. metal like the, these guys they come out with all the corpse paint on and it's all like really snarly gnarly you know crazy eyes and stuff like that but it's just it's part of the show and metal yeah. is is it's a visual thing and as well as it's, it's an oral thing it's 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 intense uh, in every aspect and which is one of the reasons why i love it so much because it is it's colorful and it's got personality mm. and it's got everything so every sense is yeah brought to so life these front men that come out they it, i mean you know if you think about it as well um i was having a discussion with someone the other day like like metal music um not excluding indie and stuff like that but a lot of bands these days a lot of the mainstream charts don't actually have full live bands it's it's the likes of you know it's electronically fabricated yeah music you're seeing or a lot of that now so it's kind of like the last or the front line of 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 music of live music i mean you've got jazz and you've got classical and you've got stuff like that it's played live there's no sampling so when these bands come out your job is to you know you have to open up um as much as you possibly can and get people's attention and when you have a front man that's kind of mm. being slightly psychotic or giving it the big balls you know that's what draws uh, people in yeah everything it draws people in and it's part of it but yeah and they come off stage and then they have their offstage persona which is a lot more relaxed and a lot of the bands i speak to some of the heaviest heaviest bands they don't even listen to metal when they come off stage they would <laughs> listen to like willie nelson and johnny cash and and billy eilish and stuff like that because you can't play it and listen to it constantly all the yeah, time. You can. I mean, it just, it's, it's like saturated. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in moderation. But mm. I like what you said there is that, um, about metal being kind of, being the kind of frontliners of actual live music yeah. being played. Cause you're seeing that a lot more now, especially within like the kind of the pop indie industry mm -hmm. that people are just doing tracks for a lot of their songs now. Yeah. And one thing is for it is because it's, it's easier for stages like because the, all the stages we have around here in Dublin, if for like open mics and stuff like that, like the workman stage and stuff like that, it's quite a small stage. You know, the Fibber stage, quite like it, it's enough to fit a band. But I played there with a six-piece band before, and we were tight. You know, and it's it's almost like they're they're shrinking themselves down to give themselves a bigger opportunity. Which it's one day one way you can understand that, and especially when they're trying to get like support slots to go on tours people like labels aren't looking to spend big money on you paying your five-piece band if you can get your five-piece band down to a three-piece band they'd be a lot happier and it kind of it's, it's sad though so you can see the music being affected then you don't really get that big hit that you get when like all guitars are struck at the same time the keys hit like the same like the, the same chord and everything's just backed up and you're getting that big rowl into the first song you don't get that as much anymore when you have maybe a drum pad and a keyboard you know yeah um that's kind of yeah i mean it sort of depends on like i've seen uh, there are some bands in dublin here or, or in ireland even that are are three-piece bands and and they have a, a, their sound is bigger than yeah i mean just huge it all depends what any names um <laughs> okay just one that comes to mind would be like gray stag uh, who yeah. are incredible um, bands, three-piece bands, and I mean they just have an enormous sound, you know. Um, and it again, it just depends on, I guess, the genre of music and also, 
you know, there are some people who are tone hunters, you know what I mean? They want yeah. a specific tone for their guitars that it can actually employ. I mean, just getting a massive sound. Um, like most bands, if you think of like a five or six piece, six piece band, a six piece band, if you remove, you know, if you take the singer, the singer out of it, no disrespect to singers or key players or whatever, mm -hmm. keyboard players, but if you take them out, the core sort of sound of a band is essentially, you know, your bass, drums and guitar, really, yeah. and that can sound enormous. I mean, Neil Peart just passed away, but Rush were a three-piece band and their sound was absolutely yeah. enormous, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, again, it just depends on the genre and music and, and the, you know, how big it is mm. in, 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 sonically. But the other side of it is there's another band from Dublin called Fornoth. And they're, they're uh, let me just, I think they're like a five-piece or possibly six-piece. I can't remember now from memory. Uh, again, they have a huge, huge sound, obviously, because there's so many in the band. But it's, it's you know, it's no different to like a band from Northern Ireland called The Crawling. Yeah. Three piece, another three piece band, absolutely fantastic, massive sound, you know. Mm. Um, and then you have Fernath, who, as I said, they're a five or six piece. I can't remember from, from my from my memory right now. And they play melodic, sort of death metal, um, and just again a huge sound. And I've had them on. I've had all of those bands on stage at Fibbers. Yeah. It's just one of the things about this genre. If anything, is they just make it work. It doesn't matter if the you, you know one of the guys is you know kind of over in the corner and like lying you know, across yeah but the it's, amp. it's just that you do whatever you can like uh i put i actually put on the crawling with for uh over in thomas house across the street there and that stage is really small it's so tiny the room only holds 86 yeah. people or something yeah. like that sweat box absolutely but like they, they made it happen you know yeah so um again it just comes down to uh what the sound of the band is. I mean, I, you go and see someone like Kylie Minogue or Beyonce or something like that, and it's her on stage, and there's like 35 dancers behind her. Yeah, they're compensating for something that is supposed to be and there, but it's not. It's not there. I remember I saw, I saw Beyonce a few years ago, and I was thinking like she is a phenomenal artist within herself. She's a like she's performer, a great, yeah. huge, great, great performer. Like just she can run a mile while singing like mm -hmm. that. She she trains for it, you know, but. When I went to the when I went to the concert, I was like, "This is a show. This isn't a gig." I, I prefer to go to a gig, and I'm not saying anything against Beyonce because like she's fantastic, yeah. and I I like I'd listen to her music and stuff like that. But I'd rather go see a gig. I'd rather go see people go and play their instruments and go absolutely mental with their instruments. You know, like if I wanted to go see a singer going with dancers, I go see a musical. Yeah. You know, um, it's just more like w w that's just myself though. My preference is I like I like big sounds. I like big bands, even if it's a three-piece band. Kind of mm -hmm. like I want that that sound to hit me. Yeah, you know, like a lot of like huge bands who are like big now, like big Irish bands, like U2, the three-piece. Like yeah, they have the the fourth guitar sometimes coming in, but like they're one of the biggest bands that ever came out of Ireland, and they're just that awesome yeah. thing, you know. But they have that, you know, they have that big production element as well. But, yeah. I mean, like, but core, if you strip it down. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna admit I'm not a fan of YouTube. Yeah, just, that's fine. I'm not. <laughs> I kind of was, I suppose, when they back in the '80s and '90s. But just, I don't know. I'm just lost interest uh, as I mm. grew up in them. But you have, you know, just. I mean, we're going right off subject here in a in a oh, way. Oh, no, we'll like, always circle back. But like, <laughs> you have bands that are equally as good in a sort of musicianship capacity and their ability to play, their virtuoso capabilities, and twinned with 
you know, tremendous stage productions. Uh, so you have like Iron Maiden put on an incredible, incredible live show. I yeah. mean, it's just like, wow. And Rammstein, who are yes. amazing. Um, I mean, their That's show experience. is... experience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whether you're into the music or not, I guarantee you, if you attended these shows, you'd just be blown away because there's always something happening. Every yeah. song, the stage is kind of changing. There's tons of pyro. It's like Slipknot just played here two nights ago i mean the show was incredible i mean it was just kind of your you don't know where to look there's yeah. nine guys on stage and they're all doing something something completely different, different and yeah. even the opening at behemoth who's polish um extreme metal you know it was just the stage show was incredible there was you know a couple of costume changes there was pyro there was you know the gas cannons or everything it was awesome you know That's but it captivates people and when when they can play and they're playing their instruments live and they have that production that is also awesome. It just is hands down way better than seeing Taylor Swift kind of do a little bit of dancing in front of like 80 people behind her. Yeah. You know, who are compensating for the fact that there is no band there really. Or if there is a live band, it's it's just hired awesome. guns, it's musicians. They're just doing a job and, you know, it's, it's different. This genre of music, like the bands, you know, they, they stay together. They have a history, mm -hmm. 20 years, 30 years, whatever. They're... They have fights, they leave the band, they come back into it or whatever, but it's not like there's just one person and just kind of a revolving door of faceless musicians yeah. that come in. And I think it makes all the difference. And know. I think you are probably one of the people who's most qualified to talk about this genre. You've met so many from the genre. Like, you've met people from Dave Mustaine, like someone as epic as him, to like a band who I personally like, even though they're kind of meant to be seen as a comic band. Um, I was just listening to them last night. Uh, Steel Panther. Oh, Steel Panther. Yeah, yeah. like they, I think they're brilliant. I, I they love them. They are great. They're great at what they do. And there's a lot of people that are divided about them because they, I mean, this, they're, they started off, they were called Metal School, S K O O L, from nice. LA. And they, they, like, they're all legitimate musicians. The guitar player, Satchel, I can't remember his real name, but he was actually, I, I believe he was a guitar player with Alice Cooper for a while. Yeah. I think, I'm pretty sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they, they were just, you know, doing this thing in the key club on Monday nights and then it became huge. And now they, they were sort of playing covers, but now they all, they have their original material, but it is, it's, it's, there's a comedy farcical slant to it. I mean, their song titles, I mean, it's filthy what they yeah. talk about, but it's the, they've capitalized on the fact that they. Sure, versatility in the exact same thing, just yeah. different genres. And so in a way, so are Tenacious D kind yeah, of. Yeah, exactly. So. So I think it's it's there's always an there's always a comedy kind of little yeah. ha hole for every for anyone to but fill. It, you you know? know who who's anyone? Look, if you go and you're you're entertained and you laugh and you, you have judge. fun, then yeah. you know job done. You know. But like not only them, but uh, Gojira, Scott Ian from Anthrax. You've like interviewed so many different people. From if I could ask you now, if you could like think of like top five that came to oh your head, God. I kind of am guessing one that's going to come to your head straight away, and I have it like written down as a guess, but. We'll see. If uh, you're asking me the top five, top five of like oh. any interviews you've you've done. God, been so many. Like between all your different blogs and stuff. There's, there's hundreds. <laughs> um, oh God, I mean, just bands that. Uh, I mean, I've interviewed Anthrax a few times. I love Anthrax. I grew up listening to them. I love them. I've. And then, of course, obviously, there's Dave Mustaine. They, they, these were big bands to me as a kid growing up, you know, um, like I was born in the 70s. But like I was of that age in the 80s when when thrash really took off. And that was the genre that I was just 
I loved very much so. Um, I've interviewed, you know, Steve Harris from Iron Maiden and yeah. Nico from Iron Maiden and um, oh my God, let me think. So, I mean, yeah, Anthrax would be up there, not in any particular order, Anthrax and um, Megadeth. Bruce Dickinson. Uh, I didn't interview Bruce. No, no just, it was a casual oh, thing. Yeah. We were, oh, Overdrive announced the gig. Yeah, we didn't we, we yeah. were media partners um, for the announcement of that. Um, uh, just um, bands that I really love, you know, like I love Cavell Attack. That's mm. a band I, I really love, and I got to interview them. Um, really nice guys. Um, oh man, like I just I, I Gojira. I, I'm I I like. The guys in Gojira a lot. I've interviewed them a good few times. I have everything like saved from all my interviews, just like files and saved on a hard drive, and they're all in alphabetical order. And then when I go into it, like I've just forgotten. Yeah, it's like I oh, mean, that person. Everything from there, Al yeah. Jurgensen of Ministry to Monster Magnet to Bring Me the Horizon to. Yeah. I, do you know what? I can't answer that question. Yeah. Like the top five, I really can't. Um, like I'm. I'm interviewing uh, My Dying Bride today and Sepultura oh, tomorrow. Amazing. Um, and then there's all the stuff at Bloodstock. I mean, I do, I do kind of, I do loads of interviews over three days. It's just hectic. And are these are these are all for your Overdrive blog, or are they part of you discover as well? Uh, no, everything is for Overdrive. Like yeah. uh, that Overdrive.ie is like what I built up, and then you discover would kind of. Um, you were I, yeah, I was freelancing to them, but I was also. Um, writing about um it was more kind of uh looking back on sort of classic albums and writing about them and they would like take um i would present them and say look i mean for instance the dave mustaine one i said look i i've done this interview with dave mustaine and of course uh, you know megadeth are signed or have a distribution deal with universal so it was in their interest to play this um to, not to play it sorry to publish the interview um, yeah in order for the to coincide with the album's release, but um, everything I do in that capacity is for Overdrive.ie. So and so, Overdrive itself.ie one is a fantastic website. It is so well organized. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was going on. I was just flicking through myself and just being able to scroll down and be like, look up by category, and then all the categories come down like, and they're broken into subcategories, and it's there's so much there. There's literally anything that a, a like not just metalhead, but any, like a rocker want any sort of mm -hmm. music fan will want just to learn learn about different albums learn about old albums look at what's coming out now what's on the scene right now mm -hmm. what like who's who's coming from overseas you know how to like even so things like you have um, articles about promotion how to promote your band and stuff like that on there yeah and like just really good like helpful articles and how to, for bands to get themselves off the ground mm. and one thing that i thought was really cool that you guys did you were the exclusive announcement for that bruce dickinson gig yes which is incredible how like how'd you get onto that this is for his solo show his, um, <coughs> yeah more like um, storytelling show like, yeah um for his book with... what does this button do yeah um so basically uh i suppose just our presence in uh in ireland um there's again there's no mainstream media that really go deep i mean they'll comment on oh look you know this metallica are coming to slain yeah. or you know slipknot play anything that's kind of of that level that Rare, raises his head above the, you know, the surface of the murky metal waters into the Irish mainstream. So they, they'll write about it and then it's forgotten about. Yeah. And they'll talk about, you know, the best place in Dublin to buy a burger and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. Um, we are consistent and we uh, write about it seven days a week, all the time. I mean, 
I mean, I'm constantly um, writing and publishing stuff. Um, so we would be considered to be one of the most popular sort of online destinations to go. It's an online magazine. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it, that was my vision for it. it. It's not, you know, I grew up reading the likes of Metal Hammer and Kerrang! and ter Terrorizer and stuff like that. So I had that format in my head. I didn't just want to be like exclusively just talking about Irish metal mm -hmm. because I wanted it to be actually a global thing. So um, so we're known for that and we have a, quite a big readership and a reach and we're involved on the ground with a lot of things that happen in Ireland more than likely in Dublin geographically talking but we're involved in a lot of things that happen around the place and um, so the promoters um CWB who booked Bruce to mm -hmm. come over got in touch and they said would you like to be a media partner for this show um which we were absolutely delighted about and said yeah it, almost straight away and did you get to go yourselves it was Pardon? 13th of January, wasn't it? it yeah, was yeah. A few days no, ago. no, yeah. it was totally there. I mean, I, you know, that's, I, I, I didn't interview Bruce, but I was yeah. down there and I got to hang out with him and just talk that to him. That must have been beforehand. a fantastic night. Yeah, there. because, <laughs> I mean. All the stories he'd have to tell, like, and even the, he just opening yeah. himself up for a Q&A at the end, like that is throwing yourself into the deep end. And yeah, you could yeah. ask anything there. Yeah, it's, it's controlled though. Like, oh, yeah. The, yeah, they, they pick out. I mean, I was surprised at the questions that they did read. Some of them were a little bit like, oh my God. Yeah. Like they were asking about the, the infamous sort of rumor of them burning the Irish flag on stage, oh, which yeah. is obviously not true. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, it was really, it was just a great, um, opportunity and one that we were, it was just, it was brilliant to be part of, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so. He um, does everything though. Like he's a pilot. He's a beer brewer. Like, yeah, he's <laughs> a he's a writer. He's he's obviously written books. Yeah. He's written novels. He's directed two movies, I yep. think, as well. And then he he does his fencing like it's and beer. And then he had a documentary on the Discovery Channel. He's a pilot. It's a rock god. He's like. a rock god. <laughs> yeah, and also he owns a um, uh, um an aviation engineering company in Wales and employs over. I think it's 1,000 people or something that like that. That is incredible. Like, so. imagine leaving behind such a legacy. Of I being know. Just being able to go to your deathbed and be like, you know what? I did everything. I did everything I, I wanted but to the, do. But again, there's a band that just even in England, they're not played on the radio. You know, nobody what? plays them. They don't, they're not. <laughs> this is one of the things about, you know, heavy metal or metal or extreme music or whatever. It survives in a completely separate kind of ecosystem, if you like, you know yeah. what I mean? Where it's mainstream is over there and we're over here. And it it's there are certain media platforms and organizations that that make, you know, that keep the wheels turning. But it's the more than anything, it's the fan base that yeah. are it's there's a, a tremendous lifelong dedication to it that you never really grow out of. I mean, yeah. I was I've been into Iron Maiden since I was literally like Babe. a kid I remember you know maybe five years of age or something my brother had some you know a couple of albums and I started listening to them and I was playing drums at the age of six and I used to listen to like the Maiden albums and I've been a fan since then six so and I have all those original albums and everything like that and and here I am like in my mid-40s now and I'm just like mm -hmm. still love the band and get to actually meet them and yeah. so it's kind of like someone that you've idolized not someone individually, but the band themselves have been a part of my life, yeah. you know, and then getting to actually work 
with them or work on something they're doing or interview them or meet them or something is is just fantastic as is with all the other artists like the the classic artists that yeah. I've, that I've interviewed so that, it's just it's it's kind of like almost like the the jazz heads of the world you know the kind of the metal head <laughs> and the jazz heads are two other two different ends of the spectrum yeah. but we have to kind of survive within our own you know, and it's um, there's a huge there's a huge fan base for jazz over in like the likes of Copenhagen and stuff like that. Yeah, but there is. Yeah. You come here and we have New Park, but mm-hmm. and you have Arthur's down the road that do great jazz gigs. Mm. But you'd be it's hard to find like it's, real jazz yeah, it's that makes your find, mind fall there, out of your ear. Like, and there down, was down. a time there was this kind of uh, sort of time in Dublin uh, where all these pubs and venues were kind of hiring these jazz musicians yeah. to do a Sunday brunch jazz thing. But it and wasn't jazz, it was like that, no, it was swing, it was watered down yeah, jazz but it's, music. But it's just that like, you know, all of a sudden there's just loads of tattoo and barber shops in Dublin or there's loads of donut shops. And yeah. It's just like... God, the fad. You know, yeah, it's a fad. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's some really great jazz um in in Ireland, yeah. um, it needs to be Who brought brought yeah. to the forefront. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, it's equally as fantastic as as metal. Um, I'm not a huge huge fan of it, but I appreciate it. But it is that freedom to create outside the boundaries of no, this has to be three minutes and it has to have two choruses and it has to have this and you know it's not music for fourteen year old little bubblegum you know, poodles. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. Like, it's real music. You yeah. know? It's like that, uh, this, the face melting feeling you get when you listen to like a really good guitar solo is like what that, uh, what jazzers get when they listen to like a really good trumpet solo. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it is, yeah. It's... But the, um, the, like our ear isn't used to that type of music. Like our, our ear is used to kind of the one, four, five, six type of Because all of the radio again. stations play stuff that has been vetted and vetted again and you know the the sponsors and the investors of the radio stations all sit around and they pick out their playlist of 80 songs whatever yeah and and the djs come in in their shifts and they just play that stuff you know in reverse and this way and they and they don't play you know i mean it's ridiculous (laughs) I, i get so annoyed by it that it's like you just listen to the same stuff all week it's just you know this DJ plays that track at three o'clock and then a DJ at seven o'clock is going to play the yeah. same song. But I've the- like, I've worked with, uh, in radio before and talking to different DJs and, um, especially in, I was in today FM and uh, Kate Brennan Harding is always looking out there, looking for new Irish music, constantly looking, but there is a certain point. She's a producer of one of the shows and she does, there is an A-list, there's an A-list and B-list and C-list and they have to play the ones in the A-list once a show, maybe twice a show, mm-hmm. three times a show. It depends how much that label is paying the exactly. radio station. And, and then it goes to me is, is it's, just, it's, it's not right. That's the thing, it's not even music anymore. Yeah. It's, it's money at mm-hmm. that point. And it sucks for the DJs as well because you know they're probably getting really annoyed with playing yeah, I mean, Uptown Funk for the fourth DJs, time in an hour. You know? DJs should be hired on the basis of their ability to, um, their knowledge of music. And mm-hmm. there should be DJs that, you know, this DJ is amazing for electronic music. This DJ is great for mainstream. This DJ is great for, you know, alternative underground music. And they should be allowed to come in and play whatever the hell they want to play yeah. without any restrictions. Because it's it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And a lot of the magazines, like music magazines, the ones that are, you know, I mean, that's a dying <clears throat> thing also, print magazine, especially entertainment print magazines. But like those magazines are, are like 70% of them are just ads now. 
or, or there's advertorials in there where people are paying them money to talk about their product or you know if you want to be on the cover of this magazine you know we'll also do a feature with you and we'll also do this in a cover mount cd but it's going to cost you 20 grand yeah do you know what i mean and that's the way it's it, it's become mm -hmm. and it's terrible and that's why podcasts are amazing because <laughs> because they're they're um you can say what you want you know what i mean there's nobody looking over your shoulder telling you that you can't swear can i swear by the way no. uh sorry happens no. it's all good <laughs> um yeah um there's no one telling you what to do you know yeah. you can actually just be as completely free as you want to be and i believe that that's what you should be doing if you're in any anything artistic position, yeah of anything to do with anything that requires you to create and, and use your imagination you should not be allowed to mm. to stop and i know that some people don't want us like and i've i've had people say to me it's like oh well you can't really say that in your podcast because what Why if not? what if someone listens back in years time and hears that it's like well so thing what? is it doesn't matter because everything is relative my opinion it might be very different to the person beside yeah. me to the person beside them and I if... know, but everyone today expects, you know, you, you can't offend anyone. It's oh, like, yeah. well, yes, you can. I'm offended that you're offended. So you've offended me because you're offended. Yeah. Do you it know just what I goes mean? around the circle. Like, I used to get that all the time when I was DJing because I, I would play whatever I wanted. And, and if anyone came up to me to try and tell me what to play, I would just be like, that's just not going to happen. And, yeah. I, you know, I won't come back here if that's the case. And I would play songs. Some songs were, you know, had some quite explicit, explicit lyrics um or you know and people were totally shocked that oh my god you're playing frank carter and he's swearing all over that song <laughs> and he's he's using the c word and i'm just like yeah well so what yeah. you know leave yeah. or you know whatever get over it you know yeah. it's like this is my time here yeah. you've paid me for my time yeah you paid me because i'm good at what i do mm -hmm. so let me do what i do it's it's hard sometimes there's always someone thinking they can do your job better than you can Always. You know, always. Even if no matter how much you read, no matter how much you study, there's always going to be someone. Of course. And but the thing is, there will always be someone who is better than you as well. Yeah. There will always be someone who can do better than you can. But there's also someone who's going to be do worse than you can. Mm -hmm. So, but one thing that I really like about the Overdrive, um, besides it being a really good blog and really good just music magazine and having yeah. all these amazing resources for people, you <coughs> also run from that. You run. Uh, metal to the masses. Yes, metal to the masses, which is a fantastic uh, competition going on in Fibbers. Uh, starts first heat on twenty fifth of January. So correct. Any metalheads listening to this want a little bit of new music to their ears? Twenty fifth of January in Fibbers. It's all going down. The first heat. Yeah. This, so explain this, it all how it all works to us. Okay. So, um, all right. This is the seventh year yeah. that I've been doing this. It, it's existed for eight years in Ireland. The very first year was two thousand and thirteen. And then uh, I got involved in 2014. So it's actually um, the brain, the brainchild of uh, one Simon Hall, who works for um, Bloodstock Festival over in the United Kingdom. And he is a booking uh, guy. He's a booking agent for Bloodstock and also a stage production manager for um, the new Blood stage, the Jaeger stage and the Sophie Lancaster stage. So basically the concept is that uh, there, I think there's 29 Metal to the Masses that happen between Ireland, Northern Ireland, all across the UK. There's different regions, in, like in Birmingham, Newcastle, Manchester, yeah. Scotland, Wales, etc. Norway, Poland. And the idea is that uh, a, a representative from each uh, region, so in this case I look after the whole of the Republic of Ireland, and then there's uh, James from the Distortion Project who looks after Northern Ireland. Yeah. So there are two different 
two different regions. The idea is that we kind of put out a calling card for all of the, like, looking under any subgenre, under anything that is, like, metal, heavy, extreme, alternative, whatever. We're not biased towards any of that stuff at all. It can be as bizarre and heavy as... Songs that uh, falls under yeah, the umbrella. Yeah, whatever. And uh, we have 35 slots available every year. So the process begins in September where we start, you know, saying to the bands that we're looking for the bands to put their submissions in. Um, and we go through all the submissions and we kind of bring it down to 35 bands. And they then perform across seven, what we call heats, seven heats. And each show two bands will emerge from that um based on a crowd vote and a judge's vote um so i like how there's both because sometimes you ever get when there's just crowd and it's just yeah. whoever brings their most friends yeah look we you know yeah so it it works on that level and then anyone let's say if two bands come out but there's also just another couple of bands that are just so excellent yeah we will kind of reserve them to the side um, and we would put them under a wildcard category that the public can then vote online to to pick making a five band bill for a wildcard show. So basically this goes on and on and on and it, it, we get down then to three semifinals where there are six bands playing each. And again, it's a crowd vote and a judges vote. And we bring in guest judges from various different organizations. It could be from, I don't know, we had like just people that work in the industry and whatnot. Um, and then the final itself will have six bands. And these are six bands that have been, you know, with us since January. They'll have performed the shows. They'll have been voted by the public or by the judges or whatever. And then um, Bloodstock, Simon from Bloodstock actually travels over from the UK and comes to the, the venue. That's Watches fantastic. all the bands, meets them all. And then he will make his decision to pick the band that he wants to bring over to. So he the, has the final call. He has the final call. But we, you know, he's he's kind of speaking to us the whole time, and we're I've got my notes and my thoughts of yeah. what I think about certain bands and 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 whatnot. So um, and then <laughs> that band in question go to Bloodstock then, and they play on the new the new Blood stage at Bloodstock along with all of the other winning bands from all the different regions, yeah. from Poland and Norway and across the UK, and Northern Ireland. And they play on this stage in the arena next to, on like this year, the bill is like Devon Townsend, Behemoth, Judas Priests, Saxon, They're going to be playing Skindred. the same stage as those guys. Well, they, so you, it, if you can imagine it, it's, it's a festival. So it's a huge, big arena. Yeah. So you have the main stage and then you have the new blood stage and then you've got the Sophie Lancaster. So, so they play, they're playing the new emerging music stage. Yeah. Which is pretty busy Amazing. throughout the whole weekend. So they, they play up to like 2,000, 2,000 people. That is fantastic. But over the seven years of doing it, I've seen bands go from, you know, playing this little show in Fibbers to going over to Bloodstock, playing the new Blood stage, and then they've been picked to play the, to, to, you know, a, two years later, they've been invited back to the Sophie Lancaster stage, which is 8,000 people. And then from that process, then they, uh, they are then invited. To, if, listen, you're in the... You're in, once you, you get in, you're in. Well, yeah, but it's it's more like it's up to the bands, though, themselves, that when they get there, I mean, you're in the absolute mecca of, like, this is a very, very professionally run festival. Network. And every single worthy metal, rock, record label, media platform is there. Yeah. It's no different to Download or or Vakin or anything like that. They're all there. Roadrunner, Nuclear Blast, 
all of the 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 press are there so it's up to but they, you're you know they're meeting actual producers booking agents they're on a very reputable bill where people around the world are starting to check out their music so the likes of 10 ton slug from galway they're they, fantastic they i want, love that name of the band they won it in 2016 and like they have just gone from strength to strength to strength to strength and they were invited back last year to play on the sophie lancaster stage just before the headliners that night so there was like six and a half seven thousand people or something that's um, incredible watching them and um and you know off the back of that then people are talking so they were invited over to Slovenia to play metal days and they've played Hammerfest, you know so it's in, a really good yeah. stepping stone to like and really dead label in same there. thing with dead label you know they mm. didn't even win metal to the masses but dead label ha have become like one of the um i suppose the most promising well-known metal bands to come out of ireland like they're really on the brink of being super big this year now yeah and um, they've been booked for there's a bunch of stuff that i can't talk about at the minute because it hasn't it's not public knowledge yet but like they're they've been booked for download festival sunstroke they're playing um resurrection fest there's a few more festivals that are you know are sort of yeah have yet to be announced and then there's some really kind of very very prominent well-known people in the industry musicians like yeah. very very high profile platinum selling musicians that have reached out and spoken to the band personally been in contact with them personally really interested in what they're doing and there's going to be a lot of news coming this year also get on board now while you can be, yeah. be one of the, so, the like, first riders that so i mean metals the masses like uh it's just it's what it, it it's what it has done is it's pulled together a lot of the the scene it's like it mixes uh, like the genres up and and you know that you'll have a thrash band on stage with a, a doom band followed by a black metal band followed by a grungy type band and, yeah and you begin to see you know that the the audience is just enjoying everything they're loving this really eclectic kind of heavy lineup and then the bands i've seen over the years bands who not normally ever play together are kind of getting on with each other and then the next thing they're doing their own shows together so you'll have like psychosis and creep that will you know that's a thrash band yeah. and a grunge band and it's like what you never put them in the same yeah. bill normally but so they it put brings people together bill. and you know it's really put um ireland on the map like when i go over every year i meet a lot of the press people and booking agents and everything and and last year um i was approached by uh it wasn't actually it wasn't last year it was 2018 i was approached by a booking agent over there and i without they just said what is in the water in Ireland like where are all these bands coming from because everything but you know it's become this you know whatever is coming from Ireland playing at Bloodstock is going to be actually incredible you know what I mean like from the likes of Zora to Animator to Two Tales Woe I mean the crawling from Northern Ireland Zealot mm. Cults Jailbirds played there yeah last year and uh you know Dead Label and stuff like that so it it we people are now beginning to think Oh, there is a metal scene in Ireland. It's not just, you know, U2 and the the only metal band that anyone ever knew from Ireland, which is Primordial. You yeah. Know? So it is there. It shows people that there is an actual scene here, a layered scene. And it's very, very rich from all 
around the country. There are fantastic bands in, you know, in Tipperary and Galway and Cork and Wexford, Waterford, like brilliant bands, you know? I think just, I think, uh, like, uh, maybe this is just me being biased because I love Ireland, but I think there is something special about the Irish people. We we have that little bit of a creative edge. Absolutely, that, we always that have. We o- always, from the beginning, we were always mm-hmm. storytellers, we were always musicians, and it's come through generation after generation, and we always seem to have that just that little bit of an extra lilt to our music that other artists don't have like a little that little bit of extra salt maybe it's from the starvation <clears> but possibly <laughs> i mean it's, i think it's i mean it's if you if you could imagine every country being an actual person not forget gender for a second they're just a person and that person has a personality yeah you know america is you know, I have my thoughts on what I think that personality is. <laughs> I'm guessing ours is very England similar. <laughs> are, England are, you know, they're really competitive. They don't like losing. They're a little bit, you yeah. know, Ireland are, we are, you know, generally a, a friendly people, uh, yeah. a friendly personality. And we're very artistic and we're very, you know, we're very passionate and very, uh, we enjoy good time. If you know the what person I mean. who's in the corner of the party playing the guitar. Exactly. And, we'll talk to anybody. and also the last one to leave. Yeah, always. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you have uh, been in uh, been to Bloodstock for the last seven years, obviously with Metal to the Masses. Mm-hmm. But did you ever go before that? Were you ever like, did you ever go as just a viewer, just as? A... Um, no, I didn't actually <gasps> because I was uh, I don't know. I was just attending other things and other festivals yeah. and stuff like that, and it was always on my radar. But I just for I, I can't I don't know why it was just one of those things. Like never I, got all the binge ousting though. No. No. I love I love those videos. No, I love it. <laughs> yeah, binge ousting, the infamous binge ousting. Didn't happen this year though. They like they got rid of all the bins. D- it they, didn't like... happen this year because they changed the um, the big the, steel the bins, bins to the wheelie for, ones. It, it was more uh, it was more of an environmental thing. So they were separating <sighs> all the plastics and the aluminium and everything, which that was is amazing. Yeah, That's it was really really good. The, the results were fantastic. The 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 actual waste at the end of the festival was dramatically down like and there was a real conscious kind of like everyone I, I not not everyone but a very high percentage of people you know packed up their stuff put their yeah. trash away and actually if they didn't want to bring their tent with them they donated it to there was it was all everything yeah, was organized, organized and set up you know i'd love to see that in more festivals um yeah like, i didn't go to electric picking last year purely because the absolute felt it was just like it's disgusting and people are there and they're like eating a burger and then they just drop it on the ground walking into the ground or just are drinking a can and they just what drop it electric picnic oh okay and it's yeah. just like it's 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 <clears throat> the gross the irony though of the it's people gross. that go to that festival are so kind of they're just going and majority of them are just sitting at their tents the whole time and never actually go in to the <laughs> arena like I'm I, I've literally seen people who I'm like, every time I come back to the tent, I'm like, you're still here? Mm-hmm. Like, they might, like, they're not my mates, the people sitting beside me. And their cans are everywhere. And you're just like, just get a plastic bag and put your cans into the bag. Takes two seconds and you're saving a lot of people a lot mm-hmm. of heartache. Like, and the world a lot of heartache. Yeah. I just, I really hope to see, like, England have really taken it on this year. It's they have, all the English festivals um, on the, recycling. The it's cleanest fantastic. festival I think I've ever been to um, was Metal Days in Slovenia and that that yeah. was incredible um just the location of that festival in its own right is, is just breathtaking mm. i mean it's it's in this kind of natural valley amongst the mountains and there's a um there's a uh like an an icelandic uh like river. spring type thing yeah 
And it, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. The water is crystal clear and it's got a forest area and you can kind of camp where you want to. The, the, the people who run the festival are, are vegan and there's a huge vegan presence there, which is great. I'm mm -hmm. not vegan. I like to eat what I eat. But it's great to have the option there. <laughs> but I mean, I I was over there with a band that were performing at it and it was it was so hot. Um that I mean we were over there for a couple of days. I mean when Dead Label performed it was forty three degrees on Whoa, the stage that and is the way stage too was hot. south facing so the sun it was just like it was just baking them. But I, I took a walk right down deep into all the campsites and I just couldn't, everything was spotless. There was mm -hmm. no, all the bins were being used. There was no like rubbish or anything anywhere. I mean, it, it, this is like in these really rugged sort of foresty areas and everyone had their bins set up. There was, there was no trash anywhere. The people were kind of washing and drying their clothes and hanging them on, on the trees and people were just had hammocks set up and That's stuff. But so the place idyllic. was absolutely <laughs> spotless. And then you can go down to the, the river, the lake and people are just floating around on, lilos and stuff like that and the beach is, is spotless there's everyone puts their cans away and all their food away and it's it's just it was unbelievable to see if people actually respected the festival yeah. they were going to we would have a lot better festivals mm. and i really hope the irish kind of wake up to that because every other country seems to be a bit more responsible why can't we be i just don't i, I agree i think it's just something it's going to take it's logistically uh, a lot of people like uh, putting on a festival is logistically it's just crazy it's insane mm. all the stuff you have to think of and the minor little details to the major ones and i but i think i think it's something that is definitely gonna come into play in ireland um they just need to work it out you know yeah. and, and their system and how they're gonna do it so yeah. well so Yourself, uh, I literally said to you before we started the podcast, is you have many fingers and many pies. To be honest, you kind of are the pie. Um, <laughs> like it's you, you interview bands, you find bands, yeah. you manage bands, you you critique on albums, you review gigs. You're like you're a, you're gonna have the Slipknot review probably up today or tomorrow. Like, today, 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 it's going to happen today. No, it is. I was writing it just before <laughs> oh, you arrived. Like, so definitely gonna be checking that out because mm -hmm. I really like your reviews. You're a very good writer. Um, but besides that. You also have this whole design, like this yeah. stage design company. <laughs> Main stage design, yeah. Just in case that, you know, you didn't get enough sleep. Um, <laughs> 40 minutes is grand for like 24 hours, it's fine. But like, what made you start that? I probably beat and get so many gigs um, and seeing. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you it was uh, a, a sort of an idea that came from a conversation with uh, my cousin, actually, who's works downstairs with me. Um, Gavin and we went to see uh, Ramstein in Dublin in the in the three arena I can't even remember when that was I think it was 2012 or 2013 or whatever and it was just I mean aesthetically the, the most in incredible show mm. everything just down to the tiny little details and the stage production the pyro the, in, the mood the everything about it was amazing and we have um, I have a background of uh, just I've always loved art I've always, I mean always all my life I've just been doing stuff at home my mom was an artist um I studied it in London I did history of art and wow. all that type of stuff and Gavin has been a graphic designer for 20 years and why uh, aren't you using these talents yeah so we basically were just kind of talking the day afterwards and we were saying oh that was such an amazing show and this that and the other and it was kind of like this 
sort of light bulb moment where I said, can you imagine if there was a, a place where musicians could go and it, they would specifically just uh, work in the entertainment business for design and branding? And we just went, oh, holy shit. So we looked it up and we couldn't find anyone that was doing it. There was no one in the UK. I think there was one place in the UK and a few places in America. And we said, absolutely, let's just do it. Let's absolutely do it. So that actually um, really came into play. I sort of went out as Overdrive and it was kind of doubling up as two things, but then main stage design fully sort of totally came into play. Tone. And yeah, so, and, and since then, so we what we do is we, we actually create um, like a band will come to us and we, we'll do everything from if they need a logo or they need t-shirt designs or if they need to get an album completely designed mm. everything this from is, this is all on the Overdrive website I want to say and well mainstagedesign.com oh sorry I found it through the Overdrive yeah, so I've, it's all I've, connected I've, I've separated those two things now okay. because it was it was just getting a little bit I just needed to have them as two separate entities so there's overdrive.ie which is all the magazine stuff yeah and then there's mainstage mainstagedesign.com so we do like band photography, music videos. Uh, we produce um, the backdrops that you see. Yeah, and, you did Gavin James one, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did brilliant. Gavin James's one, um, and there are a whole bunch of other other bands. Um, we do the the drum from, drum. Heads we do custom drum heads as well. Yeah. Um, I've done them for oh God. Uh, Amelda May to Gavin James to you did for the lads in Thumper as well. Thumper yeah. fan club. Yeah. Um, God, loads of bands. Uh, and like then the, there's the um, the amp, like the amp heads and so the covers, you less all those as well. Yeah, that's a very, very specific thing. We can actually... I custom, thought that was really cool. <laughs> we can customize uh, cabs as well. We make kind of scrims that fit into cabs. Yeah. So the idea basically is, look, there's, you know, there's live music on everywhere in every city or town across the world. But I'm just looking at even, let's say, Dublin. There's venues all over the place. The amount of times I've walked into a place and there's a band on stage and I have no clue who they are. Mm -hmm. Just no clue. So this is like, we'll provide them with, you know, you can get a backdrop. Even if you're a support band, you can get these Velcro ripaway scrims that just fit into the headline band's uh, like cab. Excellent. So you can just stick it in and it's got the band logo on it or the name. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it just looks good. You know, you come in and you can actually see the band's name. You know mm. what I mean? And it's not... In t it's not extortionately expensive. Mm. I mean, you can get uh, a backdrop for like 190 euro. That's and really that's good. Fire that's certed. so yeah. over and over and, you, and over Yeah, and, over and they're again. totally durable and they fold away to nothing. And, the, you know, it doesn't matter where you're doing a gig, boom. And mm. everyone can see this is my band, you know. Yeah. And also it looks great for if you do have a photographer down and you are getting, you know, photos done or whatever. It looks badass that you're standing on stage and you've got, you your know. big name behind yeah. you, yeah. So, because as we know, brand is so important nowadays. Well, it when is it important. To a lot of people forget that, like, if you are in a band, like, you have to, like, it is a business, yeah. and it, your music is a product, and you have to sell it, you know. And if you just kind of think that you're going to become really famous on the merits of just the sound of your music, especially in today's industry, you're delusional. It just doesn't happen that way. I mean, labels want to see everything they want to see very high you know presence online streaming numbers they the music has to be good 
we design electronic press kits as well. So that's a very essential. That was actually something I saw and I yeah. thought that was such a brilliant well, idea because press gotta, kits are annoying to put together. They're really Yeah, well, we've, I mean, I worked um, many, many years. I lived in London for a long time and I worked over there in within music yeah. and I, I, I just used to see the way people would approach labels and booking agents and whatnot. And it was it's it's just like the minute they open an envelope and if, if, if in this case now in this day and age an email comes in and it's just a massive big long email with tons of links with all this sort of stuff in it like they're just going to delete it yeah whereas they... if something comes in like we've de we've developed this template that is it's a really small file and it doesn't it, it gets past people's firewalls basically so if you're cold emailing somebody yeah it gets right in there and it's it the whole thing is completely customized to the style of the band you know from it like i've done stuff for for traditional irish music bands right yeah. through to like black metal bands you know yeah, i've seen a few of the samples on the website yeah. and they were just really really great they're really eye and it's all interactive just, yeah. so you, you open up the file and you can click around the file yeah. but it it, it look it looks like the band should sound mm -hmm. and and it's part of what i say to the band like you have like make don't be releasing videos online from recording from your phone like just make sure that everything goes out there is of the highest standard that you possibly put out there yeah. because you're trying to make an impression it's your cv and if you're sending it in to someone and they're looking at it and the spelling mistakes and the photos aren't tagged correctly and the files are huge and they're just gonna they're not gonna yeah. open it you know I mean, it's it's an industry where the, everyone is trying to get to where they want to get yeah. to, but like the competition is fierce, you know. It's like uh, it was a John Cadell from um, uh, Today FM said to me before. He's like, you can tell if a song's gonna be good within the first five seconds. Once like you're listening to it, and if it doesn't grab you, when they because like they get so many emails every day of people sending them their music, and they're like, they literally they don't have the time to be listening to three minutes of every song. So they're like, I give it. He, he was like, I'll give it about 20 seconds. And if it hasn't caught me by then, yeah, it's the same I, with like <coughs> stuff that you actually see, like a press pack like that, that you, you open it up and it's all there for well, you. They're would, more you, likely you to look at it. get their attention a yeah. little bit more, but yeah. ultimately it's down, it's, it's down it, to the sound. It's down to the sound also. Mm. But I, I, I get a lot of emails too. I mean, I get. Oh, I'm sure you'd like, sure. Yeah, your I get emails kind of average about 100, 120 a day. Um, and it's everything from press releases through to listen to my band. Can you review this? Da, da, da. Yeah. So when you're opening and listening to music, um, again, it's the first thing I listen to is just the production and the quality of the music. And then obviously it's, you know, what genre is this? You know, wait for the vocals to kick in. And then I, if, if, if it's just not if i'm not feeling it it's gone yeah but i'll always sort of buffer through or drag through and i want to hear what the chorus is i want to hear what the 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 the, cat, the hook is yeah um and like i mean that in its own right is a is a full-time job just going through all those things so there's there's only so much you can do you know mm. um there's you know i will i spend a lot of time just kind of as I'm working, I have headphones on and I just randomly listen to loads of different types of yeah. music and I'll skip and skip and skip and I'll be doing something else. And then I'll, if something just sort of, I'll say, oh my God, that's really good. Who's that? And then I'll go in and stop it and make a note of the band. And then I will contact them for, we have a thing on the website called um, Overdrive Discover. Yes, I saw that. <clears throat> where we reach out to bands that haven't quite sort of made it yet. They either are not signed or maybe just been signed or it's just, we're just trying, like just trying to say, look, 
this is new music that we think is really good and you should check it out so there's a band the other day that i discovered just before christmas they're actually from dublin they're called drought d-r-o-u-g-h-t um and they are like a an, an extreme um metal band from dublin but they are fantastic like they're so good yeah and i i'm kind of really excited about them and so i did we just published their feature about them but yeah the the main stage stuff is important um for the epks uh it's important to get branding so we do everything from we have people that we work with for music videos photography um there are bands that have come to us and said we just need everything we need our logo changed, we need videos done, we need photography, we need um, an EPK, we need the album designed so we can format and design. Like take all my things and make yeah, them yeah. better. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, it's a one-stop shop for just about anything and we're not biased That's towards need, any genre you know? at all. So we've worked with um, singer-songwriters to folk music to metal, rock music, electronic music. We did backdrops for... Um, um, Oh my God, I, can't, I can never remember stuff on the spot. No, it's totally fine. Who Anytime anyone asks me to sing anything, I just there. think happy birthday. Who opened for the Rolling Stones? Oh, oh. Uh, ah, oh my God. Begins with A. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, like loads. I can see them. I can actually yeah, see them. Yeah, we've done loads of stuff for for um, for bands, but we're, you know, so that it, we, we service anything that you need. And yeah. if we can't do it, we'll find a way of doing it. So I, I'm gonna only ask you two more questions. I know you're a very That's busy fine. man, and I want to let you back to your epicness. Um, one thing's you, you're man, you manage bands as well yourself <laughs> as Orin O'Byrne, right? Yeah. What is what, what's something that you look for? Like, what is something that like makes a band stand out to you? Um, well, firstly, it, it, I have to like what they're doing. I have yeah. to like the music. That's eighty percent of it, you know. Um, I, if I really like the music, then it's kind of like, what is the internal setup in the band? Are they, you know, these people that are focused and have everything together and they're, you know, they're all working as a kind of a machine almost. Mm -hmm. I hate to use that word, but, um, you know, it, it's like, it's, a, it's really, really, really difficult business. And I, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is filled with rejection, just oh, completely yeah. and utterly. And then the other side of it is, it's just try. You're this tiny little voice, a grain of sand on a beach. And how do you get noticed? And just through my experience and my my work that I do and the years I've been doing it. And I mean, I lived in London for 17 years. I know a lot of people from over there. Um, I i can i can reach out to people and i can either present something to them that they like or else if they don't like it they will say you know this is not for me but this is for this person this is what you should do um so it's it's effectively managing the band you know yeah. helping them with their decisions and and you know sort of getting rid of the negativity uh that surrounds a lot of this industry promoters that are not shouldn't be doing what they're doing not paying the bands and yeah, putting on that. you know really bad shows um and booking a band you're with the, the promise. in the corner yeah booking the band with the promise of paying them but then all of a sudden kind of at when the band are looking for money and they're he's you know oh, well, sorry, I can't man, find that I, email I'll, I'll pay pal it to you you know it's like yeah. that's where I come in um 
Um, just going through contracts as well. Um, I've worked with bands, not mentioning any names, to help them get signed to booking agents, to help them um, get out of record deals. That's probably the, record the hardest deals. thing. That has been, uh, yeah, a very dip- difficult and very complicated uh, process. And also helping them with endorsements um, and getting endorsed by different um, companies as well. Like, you really just like and a, a wealth full of knowledge. You are. <laughs> I, it's, I don't Except think of myself that way. I just kind of think that I know how to do things right. So I just try to do them to the best of my ability. Yeah. And I, I, I then have this if feeling that if I'm going to do something, I just want to do it right. Um, so in all the different things that I do, like managing bands, I try to do the very best I can. There's things I'm still learning as I as I each day learn adapt, and use, them work uh, yeah and new situations that i've never been confronted with before but i approach it just like not making really silly quick decisions because i mean i understand from i used to be in a band a long time ago and i saw a, a, a very different side to um the industry i mean you, i got ripped off big time yeah. and you know we had a single in the uk charts and everything um and i, I saw nothing you mm-hmm. know so I I did music management, studied music management and production and stuff like that. Um, but it's it's just like I just want to be able to help bands because it's really difficult being in a band. It's usually uh, uh, people look at it as just a hobby or you have to do a pretty, you know, j- a job that you're just not really interested in um, in order to facilitate it. Or in, an, in some ways you have to do a job that you really just absolutely hate that is you could be your your employment pot- potential could be incredible but mm-hmm. you're sacrificing it to work in a very very underpaid job because you need to be able to just go yeah. whenever there's like gigs or tours or whatever so you know a lot of people say you know i could be you know i could have bought a house by now and i could have be you know quite high up on a corporate ladder but i want to be a musician so i have to do this job in this particular place that doesn't pay a lot of money and it's kind of the job where young students are kind of starting off yeah. but it's the only jobs that they can do because if if that the phone rings and okay you've you know you've got to be over in london to do this or to do that these jobs allow you to do that yeah and, it, and if you lose the job it's like you know i can just get another one of those mm-hmm. so the people don't realize they make massive sacrifices and financially as well Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, like this, the famous thing of, you know, you, you have your car that's worth X amount of money and your guitar that's worth, you know, a thousand and then all your amps and everything. So you're like, you're driving to a gig with like 15 or 18 grand's worth and of stuff. And a 500 euro car. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you get paid 50 quid for the show. Yeah. And then, you know, or even if you do get paid, that's the reality. And and it's rehearsal rooms and the stuff that you need to buy. Rooms and so expensive. Yeah. So expensive. Um, and that's why I try to, like with main stage, I keep, I've kept everything, like there's little to no profit, profit margin in it whatsoever. Um, because I understand that bands, like, you know, if they want to buy something, they collectively have to put their money together. They're all working these jobs that they probably don't want to work. And they, there's a, a little kitty put aside for yeah. things like this. So I don't want to be, you know, charging extortionate amounts of money for stuff. It's to enable them to to move forward and, and get their brand up bigger yeah. and better. You know what I mean? Well, that, so. That's really, really nice to hear. It's really nice to hear that you have the back backs of the Irish musicians who are coming out now, which is fantastic. So last question. Mm-hmm. Erin O'Byrne, 
very godmother of the Irish music industry, it seems. Very godfather. I would not say that about well, myself like, at all. Look, you're not doing things. You're helping a lot of people and you should be really proud of yourself <laughs> for that. Like, just accept the What is up with Irish people and not being able to accept compliments? I don't know. It's ridiculous. I, I just bask in them. No, no. <laughs> um, but last question, and this is one that really t- throws people off, okay. right? Because this is, isn't anything about your career or anything. You are about to be dropped on a desert island. Yeah. And you have five songs oh, man. that you can listen to, right? Um... It's so funny because I was was thinking about this the other day (laughs) and I can only answer that question of this moment right now. Oh, yeah, obviously. It changes. Because I will probably change. uh, (sighs) That's the thing. It will literally change so Um, often. Is it albums or songs? Songs. Oh, man. I know. It's even harder. I kind of sometimes think I change change it to albums. But at the same time, like... Oh, God, that's really difficult. Um... Okay, I would say um, right now, at this moment in time, I'd say Devon Townsend, Spirits Collide. Very nice. I would say uh, Sepultura, Desperate Cry. Haven't heard that one, but must have a listen. I would say... Deftones around the fur, the title track that's been in my head for days. <laughs> the title track from Around the Fur, Around the Fur. Where am I at? Three. Yeah. Okay. Got two more. Four would be um, Anthrax, Safe Home. The great song. And five would be Turnstile is the name of the band, and Generator is the song. That, that is the, probably the fastest anyone's done it. But it that's just shows right now. how much of like a fast mind you have. It's kind of like, get this done now. And you know, it's probably going to change in a little while, but keep going. See, now I'm already, I've just forgotten like <laughs> Gojira, Flying Whales, like that song. Yeah. I'm sure you can sing it to yourself in your head. Yes. But thank you so, so no much for coming on, making it music. Um, this mu- This podcast is all about people who are working multiple different things within the music industry to try keep themselves afloat mm-hmm. you know we don't have much support here as musicians no um, we don't. at all which <laughs> not is, at all no uh, yeah we very very no support here mm-hmm. um so it's it's hard to keep yourself floating above the water but you've done it and you're doing really well and you have this is a beautiful space that you have here in thomas street and thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and um, this has been Heather Laurie for the Making It Music podcast. Once again, a huge thank you to Craig Wynn from the Dublin School of Music for just sponsoring this podcast and being an all right, absolute metalhead legend. <laughs> so thank you guys so, so much. We'll see you next week where we're going to have the opera star and Celtic angel Heather Fogarty joining us. Thank you guys so much. I hope you have a fantastic week. Bye bye.